it's it's hard. But hey, you know what? It's uh, it's a good day because we can always overcome. Um, I wanted just to start off painting a picture at first. Um, now the first day of the feast of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying to him, "Where will thou prepare?" to eat the Passover. And he says, go and prepare a city, um, into the city and prepare a place. And you drop down and let's see here. It says, and as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take it. This is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink ye all of it. For this is the blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sin. But I say to you, I will not drink henceforth the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it and with the Father, with you in the Father's kingdom. Now, if you just picture it, you got twelve guys, disciples, probably smelly, you know, dressed in I don't know what they wore back then, and Jesus sitting at the table. And he's sitting there with this time with them, and he's drinking. He just got done eating this meal, and he's going to pass the bread and break it and say, this is my body and drink. This is the New Testament. And I don't know if the guys understood it or not because they didn't have the Holy Spirit then. I don't know how much he told them about how he was going to die on the cross or what. And I think he mentions it once or twice in there. I'm not exactly sure. But it paints a picture. And with that, I always think of communion as just kind of like, I don't know if it's like an intimate time. I, I want to say it's an intimate time because it's something that they were sitting there together all doing. Now, what I, what I want to share about is that every day we have the choice to believe something, regardless if it's what God says, what the church says, what the authority says, or what the world says. And every day we have to battle that. No matter what, I mean, if you, if you don't put on the Word of God, then you have the Word of the world on you. And that's just kind of how it goes. And I want to paint a truth for us today because there's a truth that... It's a truth, but we don't have to live by this truth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1... Starting in verse 26... Paul writes and says, For you see your calling, brother, how not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen. Ye, and things which are not to bring, not, bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. So that's me. That's me right there. The one who's not very wise, not very strong. And that's a truth that will never go away. But that's not the truth that we live by every day because there's a hope. And if we don't have a hope every day, how can we come and partake of communion today? How can we get up tomorrow morning and how can I be the father that I'm supposed to be in the Lord? How am I supposed to be the husband that I'm supposed to be in the Lord if I don't have a hope today? Now that hope is in the cross of Jesus Christ. But it's more specifically, too, in 1 Peter. He reads, he writes, in uh, chapter 2, verse 9, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So that's us. That's us who 
Now, you can choose. Am I just going to be, oh, I'm not very good today. I'm a sinner. I'm, I'm. Are you going to live with that today? Or are you going to live by the hope? Because Jesus, we're taking communion because Jesus went and died on the cross for our sins. So we have to realize that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Why? Because I'm a sinner. Because I have nothing good in my life that I can give God that he's going to say, oh, yeah, I was looking for that today. No, he's going to be saying, throw that away. I don't want it. There's a new creation that I have made for you today. But then also, there's the resurrection. Why did he rise? So that we can become new creatures. Not just so we can die every day. Say, I'm dying, I'm dying, I'm dying. I'm nothing but a dead flesh. Well, there's hope today in Christ and the risen God. And that's the hope that we have to live by today. There's, there's a hope that supersedes any other thing today. And that's, and that's where we have to go. Now, today I was reading and um, I was thinking of in... Um, John chapter 6, and Jesus feeds his disciples, and a lot of them leave. And he looks to the other disciples and says, you're going to leave too. And Peter says, you are the Christ. Where else are we going to go? And that thought always sticks in my mind because there's got to be a revelation that took place in Peter in order to confess that, to be able to see everything else going around, be able to hear what everyone else heard, but to believe something different. And he said... You're, where else are we going to go? Now, also, there's another point, too, where, um, in Matthew 16, where uh, Jesus asked the disciples, so who do people say that I am? Well, they say, you're this. You say, well, what do you say that I am? And Peter also stands up, confesses, and says, you're the Christ. You're the living God. And Peter, Jesus says, then I'm going to build the rock on this foundation. He's going to build this church on that. And once again, there's a revelation to where this is what everyone else is saying, but what do you say? What do you believe today? Do you believe in this, or do you believe what everyone else believes? So, as we are here today, and hopefully that we have found hope today, not, not in me, I'm only up here because I'm hoping to confess some, not to be ashamed, let's say, because this is not my word, this is God's word. And I have to come boldly saying, I don't even fit this any most of the time. I don't fit being a royal priesthood. I don't fit any of this. But as that one song we were singing, I can sing without shame. I'm going to come up here today without shame. And I'm going to try to boldly confess what God has done for me today. And he died on the cross for my sins. And he made me a new creature today. And with that hope, I can stand here and confess. On Wednesday night, I can maybe share even though I don't feel like sharing. Or I can come up here today and play the violin even though I'm very... You know, don't want to be in front of people. I can do that. Or I can be somebody else who doesn't like sharing and say, you know what, I'm going to share today because that's what I need to do. You know, Victor shared about it's our duty. Well, it's my duty to confess the goodness of God today and proclaim the goodness. And Because if I don't profess the goodness of God, if I don't believe that when Christ rised, rose from the dead, that I was a new creature, then that death was in vain because that's what I'm here to do. I'm not here to, I'm not here to change somebody else. I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm here to confess the goodness of God, and by that bold confession by faith, God can be glorified in whatever we do today. Amen? Servers, can you come forward, please?
Father, we just thank you for your sacrifice, the sacrifice that we don't even completely understand, Lord. But I do know for a fact that you died for me, that you call me yours, and I call you my God. Lord, we thank you for the bread, which is your body, the blood, which is the cup of salvation, the blood that you shed for us, Lord, that today we can be a new creature no matter what goes on, that we can confess the boldness of you. In your Jesus' name, amen. we sit here as we stand and we're about to partake of the blood and the body the question you have to ask yourself are you worthy am I worthy to take this cup am I worthy to take this bread well that's the question you're going to have to answer yourself because the blood of Christ has washed every one of us today we are new creatures if we confess that and believe that then the devil will not have a stronghold on us right now because we will confess the goodness of God and we will say thank you Jesus for dying on the cross for my sins that I can be washed today. I can be a new creature regardless of what I've done today, what I've done yesterday, or what I'll do tomorrow because I'm a new creature. So as we give thanks, let's take the body of Christ that was shed and broken for us. And we take the blood of Christ, the cup of salvation, and give thanks. Amen.
God used this time in their life and our life, their heritage from the Lord, created before the foundation of the earth for the glory of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Today we're going to receive what the Lord has for us. Right? Amen. What do you think about that, Isaac? Think that'll work? You think that'll work? No, his name is not Isaac. Your name's Isaac. You think it'll work? Take a guess. All right. Praise the Lord. We're going to have to pray for you with two hands. In the name of Jesus, help this boy. And bless each one. Let their hearts be opened. Let your Holy Spirit just touch them right now. Lord, your word does not return vain. It accomplishes its purpose that it's sent. Just bless these children and the teacher right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right. Hallelujah. Like that there. Oh boy. Thank you, Lord. Okay. Where'd my paper go? Okay. Here it is. Wow. Oh, thank you, Lord. Okay. Going to have a hard time getting started this morning. Because I believe we got the Word of the Lord to talk about. It's bigger than all of us, each one of us. I was thinking of several things this week, and it seemed to culminate into what I believe the, the Lord has for us to be focusing on, and really it's Him. I was thinking this, this week, you know, something happened or something or other. And, you know, it's good to be guilty. Now, I know that. See, guilt is a good thing. Now, the world continually is trying to get away from guilt. But the Holy Spirit is given to us, is sent into the world to convict us of sin. When the, when the person becomes unguilty in his conscience, the Bible talks about that his conscience becomes seared with a hot iron. He no longer is able to be convicted or have guilt of sin. The gift of the Holy Spirit is for us to be made guilty or aware of our sin. See, Paul says, I wasn't a sinner until the law came. And the law made me guilty. It exposed my sin. But the world, ever since the fall of man, Adam and Eve, begin to put guilt far from them. They covered their shame. They blamed their shame. There was no guilt anymore. But God came and exposed their guilt. He exposed the covering of what they were trying to hide. He said, did you eat? You broke the commandment. You, you, you became, yourself arose higher than me. But we're living in the world, and this is one of the great problems that we have, but I believe it's also God's plan is that we live in a world where there's two systems. I'm simply going to say there's two systems. One is the Holy Spirit and the kingdom of God at work, and the other is the, the, the world mindset, the worldly ideas. And these two are opposed to one to another. And it was Christ's prayer and Christ's desire and God the, God the Father's plan that we should not be taken out of the world. 
but it's also God's intention and will that we should not be part of the world. So we find ourselves living in the world with all the temptations and press of the world, but we are to be different. We are supposed to be ambassadors for Christ. Jesus actually goes so far, He says, I'm sending you out. And this is the, this is the amazing part of the Gospel. You know, we sung that song, you know, great is our God. How big is our God? Yeah. You know, and you know, that's a wonderful thing. But He presents Himself different than that. He presents Himself weak and lowly. Jesus actually said, take my yoke upon you because I'm meek and lowly in heart. There's some, the gospel message seems to be according to the system of this world, according to my own reasoning, according to even sometimes when I sway a weak message or a message that seems to have no power. But it is the power of God unto salvation. The Bible says to those that are perishing, the gospel message, the cross is foolishness. And sometimes we find ourselves as those that are disciples and walking with the Lord in this world. We actually get hammered by the system of this world and there might be some thoughts that says, this is ridiculous. Wait a minute. But that's the very reason we're left in this world is that God's and the Holy Spirit is desiring to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. And the only way we can get rid of darkness and sin and things that are not like Him is that the darkness is exposed. We, he, he shrouds Himself with light. And what happens? Things are not drawn to Him. The darkness flees. Jesus, as a matter of fact, the Gospel of John, we just love it so much, says the light came into the world and, and the darkness couldn't comprehend it. The darkness fleed from that. And so the things that are going on in our lives that we would tend to run away from and actually say this couldn't be God is actually God working in us to expose those things that are not of Him that we could come and repent and be changed into His likeness. That's why guilt is a good thing. That's why shame is a good thing. When you no longer have shame and guilt, you can no longer turn. See, the Gospel message in the heart of God is based on, I mean, grace and a lot of those things. But I'm going to reduce it down. I read a little booklet. A little pamphlet showed up in my car. I don't know how it got there. I'm, on, I'm, I'm telling you honestly. I didn't even find it. Chris said, where did this pamphlet come from? I said, I don't know. She said, I said, what is it? It says about receiving the Holy Spirit or something. I said, she says, it's a little book. You should read it. I said, why don't you read it to me? She says, anyway, I had to read it myself. And um, because I'm growing. It used to be she used to read to me all the time. And I, I mentioned that to her. And I said, you know, you used to always read to me. And as, as, as a good Christian that she is, as a pastor's wife, she said, well, you used to buy me gifts. <laughs> so anyway, I read it. And, you know, it's it really very, actually pretty good. I went into it cynically anyway. But it was about receiving. And really, I don't even know if it was about receiving. But what I received, it was about receiving. And really, that's, that's the message that God has for us. And the only thing that keeps us from receiving is stubbornness and pride. See, we as sons are heir to all things. We're heir to all things. Now, that's a good thing. We should receive that. But there's something else that kind of can slip in there. Because as a spoiled child, ever meet a spoiled child that's heir to all things? They think they might have a right to something. Well, then it's no longer receiving. It's by wages. It's by my right. 
And then it's no longer by grace, it's by works, and their sin arises. So here we are, if we're able to receive, God's going to give us all good things, if we just receive. But the prodigal son, what did he do? He didn't want to receive, he wanted to take. Good, we're tracking. Now when you're taking, you're no longer receiving, are you? And the blessing that God wants to give turns to cursing. And God's going to work in our life. And here the prodigal son, although he's a son, he goes off and takes what he thought was his, and he wastes it, not according to the purpose of God, not according to the glory of God, not according to grace and mercy and faith, but according to his own desires. And we're going to hold that thought right there, because at this point it's important to understand, like I said, there's two kingdoms. And many times we actually try to serve God with the thinking and system of this world. That's what the prodigal son did. I'm your son. Give me my inheritance. I want to do what I want to do. That very foundation is corruption. That we are here only... We are here for the purpose of God and for the glory of God. I a few people were saying it during worship. We're here to worship God because He created us. And, and, and besides that, He saved us. And besides that, he opened the eyes of our understanding that we realize that this world, all that this world is, is in the lap of the devil and is perishing and is corrupt. And our eyes have been opened to serve the living God. But in that, there is some problems that David would have to see. He'd have to see the wicked prospering. He'd have to see his friends betraying him. He'd have to see his own sin. But it does not change the fact that God is God and He's sovereign and He is doing a great work and it yet doesn't appear what He's doing. But by faith and by hope, especially by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we apprehend God and His kingdom and separate ourselves from worldly thinking. We have to receive that. But now... If we don't receive, then we go off on our own way and God is going to continually work to a point to where what? What does the prodigal son finally come to? The end of himself. And what did he return to? Receiving. Maybe I just received from my father. You know, I'm tired of taking, tired of running my own life. Maybe I'll just come to myself. I'm totally broken. I might just receive. And so he comes back to his father's house not knowing what to expect. He says, I'll be a servant. I'll, I'll take whatever my father has. See, and at that point, he doesn't take a party. He doesn't take his room. He receives. You know, and he doesn't whine either. Thank you, Father. Now, it's all about us being coming to a humble place. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. Learn, learn about me. I'm meek and humble. I'm a broken man. And that's the, that's the gospel message is wanting to receive what God has for us. Now, that takes throwing out pride and arrogance and independence. And this is what is working in us. We are in the world, but not of the world. And the Holy Spirit is continually working through the circumstances and situations in our life to yet reveal independence, pride, arrogance, and all those things that are not like Him. Now, many times when that happens, when the light comes, how do we receive it? We actually don't receive it as God. We might act like Adam and Eve, blaming, accusing, not being guilty. A person without a Savior couldn't be guilty. 
I couldn't be guilty. I couldn't be a sinner. What kind of a situation would that leave me in if I really was a sinner? So the world, the mindset, right, from the very beginning, although now it's increasing at a, at a greater rate, because that's what the Bible says, in the end times, demon-possessed times will come. Men will grow worse and worse. Lovers of themselves, lovers of pleasure, denying the very presence of God, denying godly things to where there is no guilt. You know, I always think about that. When you're, when you're killing a baby in the womb, it's not a baby. I'm wondering, what is it? A watermelon? A, 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 a dog? What is it? Well, see, I've got to get rid of that guilt. So abortion. Now, again, don't, you know, we're going to bring it down. But there's things that press on us by the spirit of the world. And sometimes we'd like to compare ourselves to the world or to others. But the Bible says if you compare yourself, you're a fool. So, you know, if you're not getting an abortion, that's wonderful, but it doesn't make you righteous in the sight of God. You know, so we're trying to remove guilt from us. So there is nothing wrong anymore. See, I'm not really an addict. I have a problem. I have a disease. It's not my fault. See, I'm not really a pervert. I'm a... See, there is nothing wrong. Guilt is a good thing. And that's why the world is running at a tremendous rate to wipe out all guilt, all sin. God forbid. So we need to embrace that the Word of God would make you guilty. Wouldn't that be great? Now, what would it make you guilty over? Well, sin. But is your sin, does it ever appear to you as sin? Well, there's the problem. And the temptations of Jesus, if we, if we turn to Matthew chapter 4, and this is where I believe the Word of God, we've been talking about the Word of God coming in sharper than any two-edged sword, starting to divide between our soul and our spirit. Discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Is it really for the glory of God? Is it really God's will? Or do I just want to do it? See, Jesus said, I came to do the will of my Father. Period. There are many things He could have done. There's many good things He could have done. But there was only one call that He had, and the temptation that was upon Christ was for self to arise. Adam and Eve, the same situation. Remember, the first Adam is... is Compared to the second Adam. Jesus and Adam are compared one to another. They both were, crea- I mean, for, were created by God and sent to the world. But Adam, what did he do? He let self arise through the temptation. The sin of Adam wasn't a bad thing. I do it all the time. And I would be totally justified. It would be, seem like a right thing to do. There's a way that seems right unto a man. It's called reasoning and independence rises up and we begin to reason rather than follow Jesus as the great and mighty God. We fall from the kingdom of God back into reasoning in the system of this world thinking about my life. And this is where the Holy Spirit wants to come and divide. The Word of God needs to come and divide. Because if not, reason takes over. And even though we know God said don't eat of the fruit of the tree. Some of, it's not that bad. I'm not doing anything bad. When we let self arise and reasoning arise, it's rebellion against God. It's not a matter of you deciding what's bad or not. I just ate of some fruit. The thing is, 
self arose. Rebellion arose. Independence arose. And this is, that's the sin. See, now, you know, we, we all have heard of things, you know, the definition of sin. It's missing the mark. It's disobedience. Well, I, I, I read somewhere a great definition of sin. It wasn't really defining it in those terms. It's Jesus on the cross. It's all ended right there. It's not how bad you've been, what you've been thinking. There he is, marred beyond recognition. And J- Jesus became sin. Jesus became sin. My independence, my arrogance, my stubbornness, my selfishness is all wrapped up into one thing. And Jesus actually says it. All sin is wrapped up into this, is that you don't receive me. You don't believe on the only begotten Son of God. Our sin, your sin, the world's sin, is this simply looking to Jesus. That's why we don't want to do it. That's why the reasonable answer is, oh, I never sinned, I couldn't, I couldn't, he couldn't do that. Because it's actually putting the sin of the whole world upon him, saying we're all found guilty. The definition of sin is Jesus on the cross. And so how does, you know, how we find ourselves, okay, we're, we're, we're sons of God, we're called, but yet there's this battle because we're in the world. Paul actually mentions a few places in writing some letters. Uh, beware, you know, be, pray for Demas. He, he returned to this present world. Well, some other things just came in. You know, I don't know what he, what he might have done. He might have just, I don't know, bought some real estate and just wanted to not to be persecuted anymore. Paul was under that same pressure. He said, you know, I can get rid of this persecution. All I'd have to do is let self arise a little bit. All I'd have to do is compromise, just, just be a little reasonable, just be a little understanding. Jesus on the cross is the fulfillment, the, fu- the, the, the culmination of sin. And we are to here to preach the cross of Jesus Christ. And it's not going to make any sense to the, to the people that perish, to the man that perish. It's a foolish story. Let it become even more foolish. Because no man can come to the Father unless God calls him. And we need to also be in that place that we're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's only going to be because it doesn't make sense. What do you mean deny myself? Why would I want to do that? I thought now that I found Jesus, again, taking the gospel and using it for selfish means, I thought now I could do this and I'm serving God like this. No! Stop! I've called you to glorify me. I've called you not from the system of this world. I've called you to deny yourself. And the only way we can do that is have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul says, I want to know Him. We're not here for any other reason. We're not here to have all these wonderful things and to make our life busy and all this other stuff. We're here to know Him. There's nothing else that matters. And that's what we compare our life to. That's what we compare our goal to. We need a goal and a purpose. And that goal and purpose drives our heart. The Bible, Jesus said another place, where your treasure is, where you're looking at that moment is going to determine where you're going. Car accidents. Most of them happen because of human error. Because they weren't watching where they were going. They were doing something. You know, just like, oh, I didn't mean to. I know. Well, generally I'm headed the right way. Just the wall got in the way didn't see the dog. The stupid person made a left-hand turn. Well, where your heart is, where your treasure is, where you're looking, and many times it falls back on ourselves. It's the great press. And we need to see that as Jesus on the cross. 
That's the culmination that I drove them there. My independence. And it's going to make really good sense. See, this is the real problem. We've got to love to hate our life. We've got to love to receive. We have to love the Word of God that's going to basically kill us. Kill that natural man. And because when, we, when we're raised in Christ, we're not raised an old man. We're raised a new creation. Old things are passed away. We are a brand new creation that's here to serve and glorify God. Not in the oldness of life. Not in the old system of this world. Not in selfishness and reasoning. But in newness of life through grace and faith. Through the Word of God that's going to come to crucify that old man and keep him under. So the temptations of Jesus, what were they all about? Matthew chapter 4. You know, we read those and it kind of sounds like a lot... It's, sounds pretty simple. But they're the temptations you're going to face every day. And the real temptation, what was the devil trying to do? The devil wasn't trying to get Jesus to do anything bad. You know. He was trying to get self and independence to rise up. He was trying to get reason to rise up above relationship. He was trying to get himself, comfort for himself, rather than the purpose of God. Turn these stones into bread. And you know what? The devil was using Bible. Beware when you have to justify yourself or you're justifying with Bible. It could be the devil. It's not what you're saying. It's where you're headed. The devil was headed to get Jesus to just be independent. To get him just to be comfortable. To get him to deny God and to confirm himself. Turn these stones into bread. I don't see anything wrong with that. Remember, I heard this argument last week. Big argument was going on. And the, the girl just, I almost, got in, I almost got involved. It was just, I didn't though. I don't see anything wrong with it. I don't see anything wrong with it. That's the sin. The problem is, see, God died for us. God saved me. Well, I didn't even know I was a sinner. Well, I didn't want Him to die for me. Well, I didn't want Him to save me. Well, I didn't even know my need. He had already provided for me. And I didn't... I did what? I didn't receive it. I rejected Him simply by affirming myself. I believe certain things. I have a right to. I don't... All those things have to be put on the consuming fire of God. Just keep your fingers there because I want to read a scripture. Probably going to be on this for a while. Hebrews chapter 12. You don't have to turn there. We forget who God is because there's a lot of messages going on. There's a lot of messages going on. Again, we live in the world and we'd be, we'd be sadly mistaken, we'd be sadly deceived if we don't think there's pressure on us to become like the world. Pressure to get rid of the cross. That's the whole warfare, is to make the church, to make your faith of no value. To make us like Lot. Basically a laughing stock. No one's going to listen to you anyway. You're no different. So there could be a lot of messages going on. A lot of understanding messages. Compassionate messages. Sympathetic messages. Messages that, you know. But our God, and Jesus when he's preaching the gospel, I don't know where we get all these funny ideas. But I mean, man, the guy is like pretty radical. Jesus, I really like to follow you. Can I bury my dad first? 
not interested. We see that self cannot rise up, no matter how noble, no matter how it's, if it's based on reason, it's not God. And as Jesus said, let your eye be single. Because if your eye is not single, darkness will permeate your body, but you'll think it's light. And many times, I'm just telling you flat out, a lot of us are just too interested in a whole lot of other stuff. We're just all going like this. You know what? Jesus was headed to the cross. He had one goal, and it caused him not to do this. It caused him not to turn the stones into bread when he was hungry and had a perfect right to do it. He didn't demand from his father his inheritance. He didn't rise up and say, yes, I think I will. Now, now I, just, I'm, I, I act like this. But most of us, because we're, we're, we're raised differently, our souls seem to be a lot more crafty. They don't... I'm just rebellious. I just... Just my nature. So is yours. <laughs> but a lot of us would like persuade ourselves. You have these nice, calm conversations. Well, and let's just use me because, you know, I'm, you know, Middle Eastern, from New York. My emotions, Dengelses, unbalanced. I fly off the handle. He makes a lot of mistakes. He doesn't know everything. You know what? He could be making I think I'll just do what seems right to me. Doesn't that sound good? Wrong. 100% wrong, but it's going to feel so good. And you're going to say, oh, and the Bible actually says, yeah. beware, beware, because it's not about, it's where your goal is. God, what is it that you want me to do? See, if our eye needs to be single, what's our eye looking at? I want to I know him. Paul says, I want to do one thing. I want to know him. And what does that cause me to do? It causes me to forsake everything else. I count all things, all things but rubbish. Some days I'm rich, some days I'm poor. Some days I'm in jail, some days I'm free. Some days I'm preaching the gospel, some days I'm making tents. But I want to know Him. And I understand that in knowing Him, it's going to be conforming me to, the, to His sufferings. And I'm going to be conformed into His death. This is what I want. And unless our eye is single on that, what I want to do is build a big church. How many people would just like to be comfortable? Just turn the stones into bread. How many people are just tired of fighting with the church all the time? Get over it! Learn to suffer and endure that. I'm just tired of always, you know, making up with my wife, life case, nothing changes. That's right. It's meant because you have not yet attained. It is God working in your life. Don't hide the guilt. It's me, Father. I'm sick of eating with the pigs. Whatever you'd like me to do. And you'll find that God wants to bless you. But His blessings to the natural man are never going to be worth obedience. I'm tired of being treated like dirt. Haven't even yet started. Yeah. So, where are we? Yeah, Hebrews 12. Who is God? Beware. Our God is a consuming fire. End of the, end of the sentence. He's a consuming fire. You know, it's very interesting where he puts that. I was, I was reading that, you know, and says, Wherefore are we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved? Let us have grace. Let us have grace. Have grace on yourself. Have grace for one another. So he's saying, let us have grace. Not the law, not bitterness, not reason, not judgment, not I want. 
grace. Grace might give you the ability to, oh, I forgive you. Grace might give you the ability to say, yeah, I am guilty. Even though I really feel like doing that, I know it's wrong. God, I'm going to have grace. The law, you know, who does, you know who's good at laws? Lawyers. Lawyers. We're great lawyers. We love going in and contesting and, you know, let me tell you my... Not interested. Have grace. Only the law would require lawyers. The throne of grace requires sacrifice and grace and says, oh God, I'm a sinner. The two stories, remember? And, and, and a person doesn't know. See, the problem is the person doesn't know what's really going on. Sometimes we can actually be deceived. The two, Jesus is pointing out to his disciples. He's saying, I want to show you something. Come to church with me today. There's one Pharisee. He's praying, oh God, thank you that I'm not a sinner. I'm not like these other people. I keep the law. I'm doing this. And then there's this, the woman that she's so broken and humbled. She can't even lift up her head and say, oh God, please forgive me a sinner. Jesus said she went away justified. Now, who do you think felt justified? I've been doing this a long time. Praise God, I'm not getting an abortion. I'm not a homosexual. I go to church. Well, keep going. That's a good thing. Not that you shouldn't do those things, but Jesus said you also better learn some humility and grace and mercy. Pay your tithes. Did you hear me? But learn the weightier matters of grace. And mercy. Oh God, I'm a sinner. What would you have me to do today? Realizing that all the good works that I might do. You know, it doesn't take Jesus in you to do good works. You know, I know that blows our mind. I mean, I know a lot of people that do a lot of good things. Won't get, won't, doesn't matter. It, where's the goal? What's, if it's not done for the glory of God, if it's not done for Jesus Christ, it's done for the devil and it's all in vain. It's more than in vain. But our God desires to be a consuming fire. He's, when we fall into the hands of the living God, the Bible says it's a scary thing because He wants to consume all of us. And the fire gets turned up seven times hotter. So our God's a consuming fire. We have a kingdom that cannot be moved. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God. The only way I could possibly serve God is not under the law. Under the law gets me bitter. Under the law brings up my case. Under the law demands that somebody pays me something. Father, give me what I deserve. I'm tired of putting up with this. But if we're under grace, we might actually be able to serve God. Say, thank you, Lord. I'm not getting what I deserve. And even right now, the flames that are seem to be licking at me and conforming and all this situation that's in my life, bringing out all this garbage, it's really me. Lord, let me change from that perspective. consuming fire. Serve God acceptable with reverence and holy fear. For our God is a consuming fire. The next verse is really weird. We see, we just don't get it. Let brotherly love continue. Have you ever noticed when you're right and your reason is in control that brotherly love is way down on the list? When you're right, you can't love. The only one that could ever love us was God. And He became sin for my sake. So, let this... The Bible says another way. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. Be the empire. Let the brotherly love. How much are you serving? See, who's forgiven much is going to love much. 
And if we're not loving, no matter what the reasons, how many people have got some really ugly circumstances, at least in your mind? I just, I just hate circumstances. I mean, it doesn't matter what they are. I just hate them. Because I had removed, that was just my God. It doesn't matter, like I said. But then a scripture came to me one time. Because I found myself always murmuring and complaining about... You dirty dog. And then there's a scripture in the Bible. Have you ever noticed there's a scripture in the Bible? It says, beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth. Here's Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of our great God. Does anybody know that song? Okay. Beautiful for situation. Have you found yourself in an ugly situation? Somebody shout me down. Well, you might not be operating in grace. You might not letting God consume, be the consuming fire. You know what's really bad about being in a consuming fire? It's like hell. It's burning and you're just not being consumed. It's owie. And that's what Paul, he said to Paul, isn't it hard to keep kicking against the bricks? Burn, baby! Just become ashes! When God has put you in a situation to reveal to you how wicked you are. To reveal that you're not receiving the grace of God to continue in brotherly love. Beautiful the situation. Look at it. God help me. I'm not receiving. See, I am still, I'm rising up. Turn these stones into bread. Well, I'll show you what I'll be. There's no brotherly love there. Well, whose fault is that? Well, no, it wouldn't be yours when you're in that place. It's Eve's fault. It's the church's. That should be telling you something. You're not under grace. You're taking and demanding rather than receiving. And when I'm not receiving, couldn't let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers. You know, a lot of stuff that I can't do simply because I'm a lawyer. He said the best thing that I think we could do as a country get rid of lawyers and insurance companies. I mean, even in the natural, just think how much money you'd save. Wow. Could you imagine actually